into the arms of Davis. And a superior team all season long was a superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rookie record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. And Sam, since the last time that we sat down to record on this podcast Saturday morning, it has been an absolute whirlwind for all a Big Blue Nation. On Saturday, you had the Kentucky Wildcats with an absolutely pathetic and inexcusable loss to the Vanderbilt Commodores as they broke their streak of not beating an SEC team in quite some time. It was chaos all over the internet after the game, Sam. You were there. I'm sure it was absolute chaos in Lexington after the game. A lot of people are frustrated, are angry, and they don't know what the hell they watched happen on Saturday. And this is something that we need to talk about, and we, we will get there, I promise. But we're going to start off with a little bit of a good news. And we're going to change and transition over into some basketball. And I think most of BBN has already seen this breaking news as it has come down on Monday The podcast will be out Tuesday morning, so just to make sure that's clear. But number one overall prospect in the 2023 class, DJ Wagner, has officially declared that he is joining the Kentucky Wildcats in 2023, and that is absolutely massive. I mean, I will let Sam get to the rest of this but he just adds on top of a already stacked class for 2023 and Sam it is really looking like John Calipari is putting together another lethal roster for next season yeah thanks for bringing us in there AJ and uh, glad to start with maybe some of the better news on the plate of Big Blue Nation as of right now but yeah, you, you are absolutely correct. The Kentucky Wildcats and John Calipari go out and get the number one recruit in DJ Wagner. Uh, it was a tough recruitment battle. We tried to keep you guys up to date throughout the entire process all through the offseason. If you remember back, we had a 90% crystal ball. It changed all the way to the point where it was 80% crystal ball for Louisville. They hire his grandfather, Milt Wagner, to their staff. All of Louisville thinks they've got DJ in the bag. They're going to get the number one recruit. Kenny Payne is the new Jesus reincarnated, and he's going to bring that program out of the ashes. And then I'm not going to call him what you guys want me to call him. 
but Cal finds that next gear and he comes in and he gets the job done and puts together one of the best recruiting classes that I have seen in quite some time, AJ. I know we've been around for a long time with this program. And ever since Cal comes in, he has put together some amazing recruiting classes. And just to remind everyone, Coach Cal, since coming to the University of Kentucky, has had the number one recruiting class in the country now in the year of 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2020, and now 2023. As you can hear it, he was on a rampage once he first got here. He kind of slid back, and he was always in the top five, AJ, top ten of recruiting classes every single year. But boom, he goes out, and he says, guys, you guys were panicking that we lost Jay Lucas to Duke, one of our head recruiters. You didn't think I could get it done. What does he do, AJ? He goes out, and he gets it done. He gets the number one overall recruit in DJ Wagner. He gets the number three overall recruit in Justin Edwards. He gets the number four overall recruit in Aaron Bradshaw. He gets the number six overall recruit in Rob Dillingham. And he gets the number 22 overall recruit in Reed Shepard. Holy camoly, AJ. We're talking about nonsense, let alone who the hell stays from this current Kentucky basketball roster. But truly just a masterclass as far as what John Calipari just displayed in front of the entire country as far as his recruitment efforts go. It, it truly is special. He did his uh, pregame presser, AJ, today that I tuned into ahead of a big one that we're about to cover tomorrow evening in Indianapolis. But one thing that he said, because he was asked about next year's recruiting class, and he really didn't want to touch on it for long, but what he did say about next year's class is these guys wanted to come together. They wanted to play together. They want to take the opportunity and do something special with this program because you know, you hear the likes of some of the best minds in college basketball wonder early right now, how the heck is DJ Wagner a combo guard as the number one combo guard and then the number one point guard, Robin Dillingham, going to be able to play together. And, you know, they're already starting the conversations. You know what Cal says? He says, look, these guys know who they are and they want to be in this atmosphere. They want to pursue something special. So holy camoly, shout out to John Calipari for putting together this master 2023 class. It's going to be a lot of fun, but AJ, for as excited as I am, we've got something special cooking in Lexington with this current roster, AJ. We are 2-0. and I hinted at it, but tomorrow night in the Annapolis, we take on the Michigan State Spartans. And I know, AJ, you had the great opportunity to catch the Spartans at home for their first game of the season. So let's dive into it. I want to get your initial thoughts as how these Kentucky Wildcats match up against those Michigan State Spartans and what do we have to do tomorrow night to get a very impressive win on a neutral court. Yeah, Sam, exactly. Um, you know, I did have the the opportunity. I went and saw Michigan State play in person against Northern Arizona for their first game. And then I also uh, caught their game the other night um, 
watched the Kentucky game, taped the Michigan State-Gonzaga game, and then went back and watched the Michigan State-Gonzaga game. Um, and through two games, honestly, uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this Michigan State team, to be honest with you, Sam. Um, uh, coming into their season, um, kind of an in-between year, to be honest with you. Last year, they had a lot of veterans on the team that have moved on. Um, a few guys back this year, but a lot of a lot of new faces for the Michigan State Spartans. And uh, Sam, I don't know if you knew this, but the the Michigan State Spartans were actually um, ahead of Kentucky in their recruiting until we were able to sign uh, a few of these players and get DJ Wagner. But they have the number three overall recruiting class for. 2023 so that's why i said it's kind of an in-between year for them because they're expected to be absolutely loaded coming into next season so uh expectations i think are a little bit tempered for the spartans this year but they definitely have a good squad took care of northern arizona in the first game um like i said um played pretty well you know um i i more was just trying to see the energy levels of the team, how they shot the ball, kind of came out in their first game against an inferior opponent. And I thought that they came out and they played well. It looked like um, definitely have some chemistry out there with that team. And um, I think I learned a lot more about them through watching them play Gonzaga. As Gonzaga is highly regarded as one of the better teams, top four teams in, in college basketball this season. So uh, going into that game, Michigan State was a, a – 11 and a half, 12 point underdog. Uh, obviously, they played the game on a neutral court, which was out in San Diego on the aircraft carrier. Um, so, definitely a little bit of a different atmosphere. Um, I thought going into the game that Michigan State was going to have a little bit of an issue because the way that the sun was coming down during the game, it basically was just completely blinding them for the first like 10 minutes of the game you could see the sun was just straight on them and Gonzaga was shooting at the other hoop which I thought was going to be a little bit of an issue did not end up being an issue they actually started the game off um, got out to a nice little early lead on Gonzaga and um, what I will say about the Michigan State Spartans is Sam they have been known forever under coach Tom Izzo defense and rebounding um, they are one of the best teams in the country at boxing out. That's, that's a thing that people still do in basketball, actually. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty insane, but they do it. It's, it's wild to watch. Um, but Izzo, it, it, he reminds me a lot of Calipari in the way that he doesn't put up with the mis- – he, he'll live with the mistakes. He doesn't put up with the not effort and the – bad body language and and things of that nature. That's where it crosses the line with him and he'll take you straight out of the game. So they as a team have been known to be very physical, being able to rebound the basketball, both defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding to create extra shots. And that's kind of how they've played basketball for a long time. And it's, it's no different this season. You saw it on display against Gonzaga. Like I said, they jumped out to an early lead and they really had control of that basketball game for three quarters of it, almost down to the wire. Um, And then Gonzaga finally matched their physicality and started to get some offensive rebounds. Drew Timmy really got into a rhythm, started getting down low with good post position, some easy buckets, and and they were able to come out 
with a tight one point victory. Um, so I think Sam for the Kentucky Wildcats, it's, it's really all about just matching that physicality and that toughness that Michigan state is going to play with, because if you can match that intensity, then you give yourself a really good chance to go out there and win. But if you do not match that physicality that Michigan state brings on a night in night out basis, good luck trying to play against them because they can really push you around. Um, Honestly, it it can happen to anybody in the country. It doesn't matter how talented or good your team is. You do not bring that physicality to a game like this and they will push you around. They just will. Um, Sam, before I throw it back to you, I'm just going to go over their roster a little bit, give everyone um, kind of a, uh, inside look at what you're going to see on display tomorrow night. So Michigan State, um, they start off uh, with their point guard. His name's A.J. Hogard, and he is a big, strong, physical guard, about 6'5". Uh, I don't know exactly how much he weighs, but when you see him, he's 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 got some girth to him. He's a, he's a strong and physical guy who likes to take the ball to the hoop, um, has good vision, can pass out of that, and, and is a decent jump shooter. Other guard you're going to see out there is Tyson Walker. He's a little bit skinnier and smaller than uh, A.J. Hogard, but he's a better shooter, and he loves to be able to take the ball to the rim and attack. He can finish through contact. He can kind of make some acrobatic plays around the rim, and, and he's always looking to attack. Um, one guy we're going to have to keep our eye out for is Joey Hauser. Uh, not necessarily a guy who's going to break you down off the dribble, but he is a lethal three-point shooter. So when Joey Hauser is out there on the court, he normally plays around 28, 30 minutes. Uh, when you see him out there on the court, you're going to have to make sure that somebody is watching where he's going and not let him slip out behind the three-point line because he gets open looks and he'll hit them. I mean, he's going to take and make those open looks. So you got to make sure that you get a hand in his face and be able to kind of make him work and not just be able to catch the ball and shoot without dribbling because he gets himself in trouble when he has to dribble and try to break people down. He's he's much more comfortable being able to come off screens, catch and shoot, uh, things of that nature. So um, those are their... Um, backcourt and and small forward players. Um, You also have Malik Hall, who is kind of like a 3-4 hybrid type player, uh, bigger than Joey Hauser, more athletic. Uh, He can guard multiple positions out on the court. He's a good scorer. He can take you down low. He can play with his back to the basket. He can also move out and shoot. So that's something that um, we're going to have to keep our eye on because Malik Hall is definitely a guy who can get going and score in bunches. Um, and then down low, uh, they have a grown ass man named Matty Sissoko, and he's going to anchor them down at that five position. So I know, Sam, we haven't seen Oscar Shibwe yet this season. I'm very skeptical of him playing in this basketball game. I've been under the assumption of he's not going to play in this basketball game. So I think that our guys down low, Ayenso, Lance Ware, um, they're going to have their hands full with Matty Sissoko, and they're going to need to make sure that they match his physicality. Uh, he's he's good playing with his back to the basket. He can get up and rebound, block shots. Um, he's a good defender, and he really took it at Drew Timmy for for 
two-thirds, three-quarters of that game kind of handled them, really kept them in check. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, he was able to get some buckets, get some fouls, go to the free throw line. Uh, so he had a pretty effective game against Gonzaga and Drew Timmy, which you know kind of tells you that he's able to to go up against uh, one of the better big men in college basketball and and do some good things. So we're going to have to keep our eye on Matty Sissoko and make sure that we are matching his physicality down low and getting some bodies on him. Um, and then the last player that they will trot out there that it could potentially make a difference. And I think this actually might be their best player um, by the end of the season. His name's Jaden Akins, and he is a he's a combo guard. Um, he's a very good player. He can break you down off the dribble. He can shoot. He has good vision. He can score in bunches. And he was actually out for... Um, around like seven, eight weeks leading up to the start of the season. So uh, rehabbing an injury. And so he's just now kind of getting himself back into that uh, basketball shape. He's only average. He scored five points game one, six points game two. So just averaging five and a half points per game through the first two games. But um, he is a guy who can get it going. And once he gets his legs under him, he's going to be a really good player for that team this season. So um, still have to keep our eye on him and not let him get loose. He's capable of being able to do a lot of good things out there. So, um, Sam, I think that I have covered the Spartans about as well as I can. Obviously, they are a talented bunch. We're looking at Kentucky as a six-and-a-half-point favorite right now. So in the odds makers' expectations, this should be a pretty close game, just, you know, two, three-possession game coming down to the wire. We've had a lot of good games in these Champions Classics. So like I said, we... Excuse me. We have to be ready to match the physicality and the toughness of the Michigan State Spartans. If we do that, I like our chances to be able to perform well and possibly win the game. Yeah, AJ, I fully expect a very physical bout against these Michigan State Spartans. I mean, you could even hear it in John Calipari's pregame interview today where he, he even alluded and gave a lot of credit to this Tom Izzo team. I mean, um, you know, AJ, you've been around the Michigan State's pardon program for quite some time now, so you know better than anyone. But Tom Izzo often puts together a very physical team that is willing to do the dirty work, to go out and get rebounds, to play physical, to get to the rim and defend hard. And it's no difference with, with this year's team. I mean, it's it's more of the same, obviously. Um, I will definitely say this is also a Tom Izzo Spartans team that really loves to get out and run. So I do think it's going to be an interesting matchup as the Kentucky Wildcats clearly love to get out and transition. One thing that Cal kept saying in his interview today, not necessarily referring to just the Spartans, but any team in the country He's taking pride with his team this year that they are going to be the best conditioned team in the entire country. And you can say you have the best conditioned team. Then he said, until you play us, you won't know that you're not because we have the best conditioned team. And that's something to definitely keep your eye out on for this matchup. Because if the Spartans want to get into a run and gun type game then I, I, I don't think it fares well for the matchups that the Spartans are going to bring to the table. Truthfully, 
when I do break down this game, and I'm glad, AJ, you kind of gave us all the pieces as far as what the Spartans are able to put on the floor up against us, I really do think this game is going to come down to, one, our guards defending hard and well, because I really like the guard play of this Michigan State Spartan team. I think they make smart plays with the basketball, and they're able to create shots for each other, which is very impressive. I think, two, AJ, our bigs. If our bigs are able to dominate like the way I know they can, they just don't match up favorably with what we're able to put on the court. It's going to be interesting because, obviously, Oscar Sheway has not yet played this season. It sounds like he might be able to go. He did practice today. It's going to be a game-time decision. If he plays AJ, he's going to have limited minutes. We know that. He'll probably have some swelling because he hasn't actually practiced and played full contact in two weeks now. So I think that's definitely something to consider. But even if we can get him into the game and these little five-minute spurts, take him off, let him rest for a bit, put some ice on it, and then get him back out, it's enough to where he's going to be the difference maker for us to where he can create so much space because he draws so much attention down low. Next, we're really going to need something special out of Uganda. I think if he can play stout defense, and then put up a solid 10 points, AJ, that's a massive swing. I mean, that that's the swing in the cover of the game when we look at it from a actual, you know, gambling standpoint. So I, I do think that Uganda's got to come out here and have a very productive night where he's impacting shots on defense, he's rebounding effectively with two hands, and he's getting out and he's filling those lanes and he's putting up a couple of points on the offensive end. But I really do think that our bigs are going to have to step up. We kind of saw Jacob in this last game, AJ, fade away at points and really force up. He had the most shot attempts of that Kentucky team last uh, last game, but really no productivity. He only finishes with eight points. We need more out of him. Otherwise, he will not play the amount of minutes that he played the last two games, AJ. I, and I know that for a fact. One, because we are gaining... Damian Collins back. What we're gaining out of Damian Collins, we don't quite know because, again, he has been away from the the team for a little while now. He hasn't fully practiced. He practiced a little this week, uh, Cal said. But still, that's a guy that's out of the rotation for two weeks now. We've been working sets without him. So he's going to have to come in and be an impact player and show that he can get his without necessarily maybe having designed plays for him, AJ, which is no easy feat, especially when you're coming off of, you know, two weeks of a lot of emotion and not a lot of practice. So, you know, we don't know what we're going to expect out of him, but I'm excited that we get that piece back for tomorrow night's game. And if I'm Jacob Toppin, I got to know there's one more spot that Cal is going to be able to say, if you're not doing your job, you're coming out because I got to play the next guy because he deserves minutes. So that's definitely a critical piece to tomorrow night's game. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what our starting five is, AJ, because clearly the guard play and CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves, they've proved themselves and we're going to have to do a strong job of creating space for them to get open shots. We saw them get a lot of great looks and opportunities these first two games. We have not played the length, the physicality and the awareness that this Michigan State defense will have against our offensive efficiency. 
We've got the number two efficient offense in the country, according to Kim Palm, so far. Through two games, AJ. But it's something to note. How does that shape up against the Michigan State defense? That is honestly the biggest story of the night, in my opinion. We're going to have to create space for these guards to get up open shots because it's not going to be as easy and often as it has been these first two games. I think that's realistically where it all boils down to. But again, AJ, I mean, there's a lot of favorable matchups for this Kentucky Wildcats team. I think that's honestly why you see the six and a half point spread. But the one thing you and I both know, John Calipari knows, this is going to be an absolute bloodbath. I mean, Tom Izzo has never coached a team that is just willing to roll over and not show up. But again, this is the national limelight. A lot of people are going to be tuned in, and this is going to be a really exciting opportunity for a very fresh Kentucky team that hasn't really put all the pieces together yet because we've got injuries and other storylines happening and it's going to be an interesting opportunity, but a big one for some of these guys to step up and show, hey, we are for real. Like it, it, I'm saying, AJ, if Casey Wallace can go out there like, you know, one Tyrese Maxey did against these Michigan State Spartans a few years ago and put on a show. I mean, this is such a cool opportunity, and this is why I love this Champions Classics event, because it, it really does give you an early look at not only teams but players. So, you know... My, my my big time decision tomorrow and my early initial scouting report is I really do think Antonio Reeves steps up tomorrow night. He has another 20-ish point game and, and kind of shows everyone, hey, I'm not just here at Kentucky as a role player. I am one of our elite scorers, and you best put me on your guy's scouting report from a game-to-game standpoint because I am going to get mine. So that's where I'm going to at least – put my marbles in for tomorrow night. But what else kind of steps out to you, AJ? I mean, do you think that six and a half spread is obtainable with the amount of physicality that we're going to be going up against? Or how do you think this actually shakes out? Yeah, Sam, I do. I really, uh, I think that Kentucky could cover the number. I mean, uh, you're thinking about six and a half. I mean, realistically, all you need to do is be up four or five points at the end of the game, potentially hit some free throws and, and you cover or, you know, you're up by 10 plus and they call off the dogs late in the game and whatever the case may be. But, um, yeah, I think we definitely have enough to go, to go out there and win this game for sure. Cover that number. Um, I think, Sam, what you pose, though, is the most interesting kind of question mark around this is the question marks on our team. Uh, I think that there's a lot of guys in which, you know, we don't know exactly who they're going to be. And that includes guys from last year's team and that includes newcomers. So I think this is definitely just a big opportunity to kind of see who are those people who are going to step up, kind of show themselves as, Hey, this is who I am. And, uh, you know, Michigan State's not going to back down, Sam. They, like you said, they just played Gonzaga down to the wire. They had a shot at the end of the game to win it. They didn't hit it. So there's no moral victories in sports, but you you understand that they are going to be a confident group saying, hey, we know we can go play with Kentucky. And 
you know, I don't think they would have thought like, oh no, we can't go play with Kentucky before this, but they are a new team and the expectations, like I said, were a little tempered for this season. So you kind of think about it and it's like, that was a big test for them to show, hey, we do belong right here. We got to keep getting a little bit better, but you know, we can hang with these guys. So I think they'll come in tomorrow night and just be very focused, ready to go. But, um, Sam, I like what you said about Antonio Reeves. I think this is something that we had touched on when he first decided to transfer over and we had talked about who he was and and, um, what he was going to bring to the table. And the thing that stuck out to both of us when he first came over here is, is he said he was going to be a leader on this basketball team. And he said that he was going to be that guy, right? And he made no bones about it. He said, I know I haven't been here and I know that I'm the new guy, but at the end of the day, I'm going to, I'm going to earn the respect of all of my teammates and my coaches, and I'm going to demand that respect for them. And I think Sam, the way that he has played so far through the first two games, just to see his poise and confidence out there as a player, I think he is definitely poised to have an absolute breakout night in, in front of a national audience to say, hey, I may not be a five-star freshman, but I still got game, you know? So this, like you said, Sam, this um, this Champions Classic that they've been able to put together has um, opened up an opportunity to showcase some of the highest level talent across the country. Um, and has been pretty awesome to watch Michigan or Kentucky play Michigan state as well as Duke and Kansas in these games and really get to showcase a lot of what's going on, um, as far as the big primetime team. So looking forward to that going to be an awesome game. I really, I really do think it's a, it's a, it's a cool opportunity this year, especially because typically we're playing this game as the first game of the year and the the collective group got together in Izzo and uh, obviously Cal and Self and at the time Kay, but now Schleier. It, it's those guys got together and said, hey, we want to put a better product out on the floor for the national media to witness Let's wait two, three games, then go out and play. So this is the first year they're trying this method, and I really do think that's going to add an element to it, AJ. You get your feet under you just a little enough to where you're like, hey, we know what we need to be doing, and it's not just a shot in the dark. You could play amazing, and we've seen it out of this Kentucky Wildcats team, or you could play terrible, and we could lose by 30-plus against Duke like we had in the past. So I am excited about that slight adjustment and new element to this game because like you said we haven't necessarily been battle tested quite yet this will be our first true test against this Michigan State Spartans team Sparty did obviously like you said get a true test on a neutral court against Gonzaga but still glad both teams were able to get their feet under them just enough to where now under the national spotlight they get to truly shine Yep, I think that just about does it um, as far as our preview of the Champions Classic with the Kentucky Wildcats and the Michigan State Spartans. We will all be tuned in Tuesday night to watch the game. And Sam, 
we've put this off long enough, and I feel like I have said this in the past, but it is time to talk again about another Kentucky Wildcats loss for the football team, and this one is worse than all the rest, and I I don't say that lightly. I really don't. Not all losses are created equal in college football. With a short season, it is imperative that the games you are supposed to win, you win. And Sam, I honestly don't know where to start. I've thought about this so much, and it's just, it's embarrassing is what it is. It was embarrassing was the feeling for me after the loss to Vanderbilt um, as a fan of the team you know, I'm not going to write them off and, and disown them or anything of that nature. But I'll be honest, it it felt a little embarrassing after the game. And I know you, Sam, were in the stands. You sat through the cold, the rain, the snow, and, and that's what you were rewarded with. And it was a big slap in the face. Um, let let let's get your thoughts. I, I I'm having a tough time even get, kind of getting the words out right now. It's really just it's beyond frustrating to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you hinted at it in the opener of this episode, AJ. But when you said we hand Bandy their first SEC win in a very very long time, that very very long time, AJ, was over a thousand one hundred days, and it was a collective of twenty six straight losses in SEC play. So when you let that sit in, you really know the just the ultimate loss we just had to this Vandy team who has truly looked very poor this year. And I listened to Stoops recap and preview of the Georgia game today. And I listened to how he digested it and was trying to spin it and you know, he was giving a lot of credit to that Vandy team and what they were able to do. And he was saying how they had just taken a very good Mizzou team down to the wire, which they did. But look, look, AJ, I don't care about that. We had them at home. We had every opportunity to win that football game. We drive down the field four times of drives over 60 yards and we're not able to get into the end zone on any of those. I mean, need I say less, there is just so much to point at that went wrong with this game. And you know what one thing he also did add, AJ, which I've reflected on a lot since he said it, but he said, you know, I'm not one to make excuses, and I'm not going to make any excuses, and neither is our staff, and we're looking at everything to do everything we can to finish as hard as we can and as strong as we can. And obviously they're going to promise that no one's going to lay over. And I believe Mark Stoops would never let our team lay over because he's never done in the past. But one thing that he said is, Hey, we're two penalties away from being eight and two referring to obviously the last second penalty on the touchdown pass against Ole Miss and this interception that was negated by an illegal hands to the face against Vandy. So, when he's saying, you know, we're two plays, two penalties away from being eight and two, what I reflected, AJ, is to bring in another team that's in a very similar scenario. If you look at Alabama right now, 
they can't really accomplish anything the rest of the season. And to their standards, they are dead in the water. They are two plays away from being undefeated and still being the same old Alabama that they are every year. So why I'm saying this and why I'm bringing Bama into this is we know how ultra-competitive the SEC is and how your mistakes are razor thin. And when you have a team that's clearly like the Kentucky Wildcats team, and I hate to admit it, but we're just not that good, you have to execute on all three platforms of your game, special teams, offense, and defense. And we continuously show that we are incapable of doing that, and that is why we're sitting here at 6-4 and and not 8-2. and And, And that's really what it boils down to. And it's gut-wrenching because I sat there, AJ, and froze my ass off in 30-degree weather while it snowed from every direction. And I sat there and sat there and had to try to digest what I just watched and what unfolded in front of me. And it's difficult to lose to Vandy and kind of be the laughing stock of the SEC for the, for the second, you know, but I'm with you. I'm not out on this team. I'm not out on this program or Mark Stoops by any means. But this, AJ, is by far, if not the worst, the second worst loss in the Mark Stoops era. And we are kind of back to scratch, which really is the most gut-wrenching part because it felt like we were stacking great year after great year after great year. And then we bring in this recruiting class full of young studs and freshman and we bring back a top five quarterback in the upcoming draft and we've got Chris Rodriguez on the verge of breaking UK's all-time rushing record and you get a new NFL offensive coordinator and you feel like you've got all the pieces and you have all this hype from Mark Stoops and his staff that hey we are on the verge of something special join us because this year we're you know they never really said it but you knew their their heights AJ were set at we're going to the SEC championship and where are we now? We're, we're towards the bottom. And that's where it's like, finally, I took a second after that loss, AJ. And while I was sitting there in the snow, I was like, wow, we didn't accomplish anything we set out to do this year. And we've got to look at where it went wrong because you've got a couple of opportunities left in this year to salvage some wins or at least some notable efforts and besides that it's on the off season because in three short weeks AJ the transfer portal opens and all hell's gonna break loose where the cats stand at the end of the season will really dictate how well we can do in that portal and how well we can do on hanging on to our current roster that's due to come back next fall for this Kentucky Wildcats team so you know, there, there's a lot to digest. There's a lot more to unfold. But, you know, that's that's the initial thoughts and the raw emotions of where I am today, not only on this loss, but obviously the current state of this program and where we have to go from here. But what are your thoughts, obviously, from where we are right now and this tough loss? Yeah, Sam, uh, for me... Oh, man. So here's the thing. Yeah, I, I, I get it. We are a couple plays away from being 8-2, and two, and I get that. Um, but at the same time, like, 
in my mind, here, here's where I went. If as a coaching staff, you thought like, hey, this season we can kind of, we can control our own destiny. If we play well, we can go out and accomplish all these things, right? Then how, how, Sam, how are you so inept in the most crucial moments of every single game? How are you so situationally unaware of what the hell is going on out there that you fail every single time there is a crucial moment, okay? I get it. They threw the flag. I get it. There was a hands to the face. Well, guess what? They were both penalties, right? And there was so and then what did you do after that? Right. A- after the penalty at Ole Miss, you get sacked and fumble and the game's over. And then what do you do after the hands to the face? You let Vandy drive straight down the field and score on you with 30 seconds left in the game. So I don't care about the penalties. It's you in the crucial moments did not have your team prepared. Nobody knew what the hell to do. And we looked like a chicken with its head cut off out there. And Sam, you said it. The the margin is razor thin. Even for some of the better teams in the big games, the margin the margin is very thin. Okay, we clearly are not a team that can handle those mistakes in a game and still come away with a victory. And in the big games, even when we were able to keep ourselves in the game, you make a mistake late, and so. It's frustrating, honestly. Like I can live with the the losses. It is what it is. It's just being in those crucial moments and having transpired what transpired is what's the worst for me. Is just because like how is that not like how are these not things that you have drilled in all season long? in preparation for these moments and it just doesn't make any sense and then it's we can talk more sam about everything when the season ends but for me you have to go out there and play well the next two games it is super important we said it was important this week and we didn't do it but you have to. You cannot go out there and get steamrolled by Georgia and then go and lose to Louisville and end the season 500 and on this just downward trajectory. I mean, Mark Stoops said it himself. Nobody in this league is going backwards, right? Well, guess what? You're going backwards, my friend, because you have an offense that can't score. You have a special teams unit that can't do anything right. So... what are we doing? We had a good defense and we just continually put them in worse position and worse position and worse position and just ask us to bail them out time and time again. And it's not possible. The entire game of football now, Sam, is set up for the offense to succeed and we can barely score 20 points. No, you're, you're so correct. What are we doing? I listened to Mark Stoops today talk about how He wishes there was more space out there to roam free and to have a more creative offense. And and honestly, AJ, that's where a red flag went off in my mind. And I said, holy camoly, there's never been more spread offenses. What we're doing with our offense right now, AJ, is so ashamed. Shameful, whatever you want to say, it's so shameful because we took an electric 
spread offense last year and overcomplicated it to every degree, to where he even said this week that, okay, everything that's way too complicated that we're, we're trying to over-exude, we've got to throw out of our script because clearly we're not capable of doing it. Well, my question in the first place, AJ, is why are you making it that freaking complicated? It doesn't make sense. And that's where we are clearly showing our flaws because, AJ, we took an offense that had spurts early on that showed incredible potential, and we drove it into the ground. And I understand we've had injuries, and Will Levis hasn't been fully healthy, but at the same time, he's that dude that we had last year that was running defenses over, that was spreading them out, that was picking them clean, and honestly, we've got more weapons, and I don't want to hear about youth because I look around not only the college landscape but the SEC landscape and every other team's able to do it with rookie receivers and freshman running backs, and we're not able to do it. And it's it's it falls on our coaching staff, AJ. It really does, and it can't go elsewhere because, in my opinion, yeah, sure, here and there, we've talked about it, a few drop passes, a few overthrown balls. That's mis-execution. But the grand scheme of it, when you're putting up less than 20-ish points a week and you're not throwing for more than 150 yards and you're not rushing for over 100 yards, that's where it's schematically wrong. It's wrong, AJ. And it's tough to swallow, but that's that's what our season boils down to at this point. And there's going to have to be a lot of changes made. Even Stoops said today he's not going to knee-jerk anything, and he's you know basically saying I'm not going to go out and just immediately fire Scangarello. He didn't have a long offseason. He joined us very late, which I'm here for. That I agree. But if you come in late, AJ, again, I fall back to the argument, why are you overcomplicating it then? Like, if you showed up late during spring training, what the hell are you doing with building an offense with a hundred pages in it. We didn't have the time for it. We didn't. And it's clearly showing. And unfortunately our season has suffered because of it. Because again, AJ, I know our defense gave up 260 yards rushing, but it's again, it's because we keep putting them in this position. No, they didn't play their best and they'll admit it. And Brad White will admit it. But it's because we keep putting them in these positions. So it's not on them. It's not. And that's where I rest my case. But it's just disappointing beyond belief because you and I and the rest of Big Blue Nation were on the edge of our seats heading into this season about how we could potentially have the best constructed offense we've ever seen. And now we're sitting here with the picture where we're crying and we're wondering, where is Liam Combe? Because we miss him so bad. And clearly what he was able to do with last year's offense was something special. And unfortunately, we're sitting here really wishing we could go back in time and be more thankful for what we got to see last year on that Kentucky football field. But I don't know, man. You know, Sam, I, and I will give Stoops credit. I don't think a knee-jerk reaction is something that is... It, it it doesn't solve any of your problems. It honestly only creates more. There's not much time left in the season. And so that doesn't do anybody any good to overreact and do that sort of thing. But, 
you know, for me, Sam, at this point, what it comes down to is Mark Stoops cannot continue to play you need to adapt and grow, okay? That's how I'll say it. You need to adapt and grow, okay? You, I made fun of Jimbo Fisher all year for his anemic offense and how he thinks it's still the year 2000. Well, well, so do you, Mark. Like, at this point, like, that's the exact same thing you're doing. You look like a dinosaur out there compared to every other team in the nation, Okay. Every team in the country has figured out a way to score points except us the last six weeks of the season. I don't, I just don't get it. And so you need to evaluate all that's going on and understand that next season when we come out, if, if we're scoring 13, 17 points and not winning games, you're gone. It's, it's done. Because at that point, it, it cannot happen like that again, Sam. We have built up so much progress. We cannot get to this point and then just go straight back down. You have to find a way to fight and claw your way up to the top, right? And so we'll see what the Kentucky Wildcats are made of. You know, we'll see what this coaching staff and what this program is made of. It's not the first time they've dealt through this kind of adversity. It's not the first time they've set, fell short of their expectations. Um, but it is just really disheartening to see what has transpired this season in the way that we have taken a complete nosedive in certain areas. And one of those being our offense in an era of football where our trajectory should be going the exact opposite way. So Again, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know if I can beat this dead horse anymore, Sam, but it's it's frustrating for all of Big Blue Nation, for me, for you, I'm sure for the players, for the coaching staff. And so it, it you know, I feel like Mark Stoops has been saying this for the last six weeks and you know, we gotta do a little self reflection and we gotta work on the areas that we need to improve and that. But hey, listen, talk is Talk is cheap, my friend, okay, because I haven't seen any sort of adjustments or improvements in any of the areas that we continue to talk about us being bad in, right? So something something has got to change. I'm not saying people need to be fired. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just saying something has to change, okay? We are going in the wrong direction the last six weeks of the season, and that is really scary for me. And for you and for the rest of Big Blue Nation, this is not what we want to see. We've all put a lot of, you know, energy into this thing and we want the team to do well. And, you know, it's just the, oh man, it's just Vandy, dude. It's, it's just tough. You can't, you just can't have that happen. You just can't, you can't man. You absolutely can't you make up a point that, I'm glad you brought up because it's probably the last thing that I'm going to say. Cause like you said, I mean, I, I can't talk about it anymore, man. It's, it's frustrating, but two things, AJ one, we still have two weeks left. So I'm, I'm still rocking with the Kentucky blue. I'm still showing out. I'm still going to be down in Lexington next weekend against Georgia, cheering my ass off, believing that we can do something special. Cause I will never give up on this team. So damn well better be the same mentality in that locker room. I can 
Guarantee you that. Two, we still have Louisville still going to rock down the Lexington again and go to that game. We still have two big opportunities, and I really want to see how we answer and how we show we can fight through this adversity in this bizarre season. And we'll get to the offseason when we get to the offseason. But I will say what you said, AJ, is a great point. This will definitely prove to be the most critical and monumental offseason Mark Stoops and this Kentucky football season or team has had in a long time. Because we've been building and building and building. And for the first time since the building bricks that Stoops has so eloquently stacked together and done such a gritty job doing so, it feels like maybe a few bricks were kicked this year, AJ. And it can't all come crashing down right on top of him because I love that man. And what he's done for our program has been nothing short of remarkable. But truly, AJ, this could could and probably will be the most pivotal offseason year in our program's history because you got all the likes of the transfer portal and decommitments happening as of late and a lot of talent leaving and obviously our star top five quarterback. And, AJ, this is good news for all of Big Blue Nation, but we have the official announcement as of today of the new Kentucky Wildcats NIL Collective. So for those of you sitting there wondering, what is that? I already thought we were a part of NIL. What's going on? Let's bring you guys up to speed, and then we'll get you out of here. So basically, when NIL was announced, name, image, and likeness, you are able to, as a student-athlete, profit from your name, your image, and your likeness. You're able to make money nowadays, basically. However, Kentucky, the university, and Mitch Barnhart basically said when all this news came out, we need to pump the brakes and we're not going to get involved to the full extent. We're going to let our players make money through our university. However, we are not going to let our... Basically, our endorsers and our deep pockets within the organization hand out money for free, which is basically a collective, which other universities and programs were the first to get on board. The likes of Alabama was the very first when they announced that Bryce Young was going to make basically north of a million dollars this year just from NIL collectives within their organization where donors we're putting money directly into his pockets just from donations alone. Mitch Barnhart said that's not a good idea. Let's not get involved this year. So up until today, this announcement of our new NIL collective, our players did not have the opportunity. What that does in recruitment in the transfer portal is massive because if I'm player AJ and I got to go make a name for myself, not only am I going to be worried about one playing time, two national spotlight, three winning, I'm going to be worried about making money while I'm doing it. And now Kentucky gets on board. They set up an NIL collective called the Club 15. It gives us an opportunity, all of Big Blue Nation, to basically be open donors to where this money goes into a collective and is redistributed to our players' pockets. It's a massive announcement for Big Blue Nation for this program I literally looked at it immediately, AJ. There's all these different tiers, and it shows you how much you need to donate and what you get back as appreciation. Tickets, prizes, shirts, T-shirts, pens, anything and everything 
to show the appreciation of supporting the program. But it's a massive announcement. One thing I'll add, AJ, is we basically have 30,000 30, season ticket holders currently with the Kentucky football program. Even if you put in, which this is the minimum, 25 bucks a month as a season ticket holder, that collective gains up to $9 million from one season, AJ. Think of the opportunity that opens up for recruitments, for obviously putting money into our players' pockets that's going to bring it in. If you want to be in the game, you've got to play the game. Kudos to this staff, to Mitch Barnhart for coming around and realizing that if we want to progress and not do exactly what me and AJ just spent the last half hour yelling about and digress, we had to get on board and thank goodness that we do because that's going to give us an opportunity. There's our glimpse of hope. We're ready to roll, AJ. And, and like I said, that all plays into one of the biggest off seasons we will have. But let's stop talking about that. we got two big games still left on our calendar. Next up. 22-and-a-half-point favorites, Georgia. And we will obviously get to that game and digest all of it and preview it for your guys' liking. But, boy, do we have a big challenge, AJ. Appreciate you breaking all all that down, Sam, and, and you know, wrapping up that ele- episode very eloquently. Um, yeah, I got nothing else, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for the continued support, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can kind of, hopefully this Kentucky football team can right the ship down the stretch here of their season and uh, bring some hope to the offseason and into next season and, and really try to turn the tide on the way that the season has transpired. Again, basketball team, huge matchup in the Champions Classic against the Michigan State Spartans. We're getting fired up. We're getting hyped up to cheer on the Cats. It should be an epic showdown and a a real nice way to kind of get the college basketball season started. I know we already had two games, but a big test here, national spotlight, and a chance to prove ourselves and, and to move forward into the season. So, Sam, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for everyone who's listening, and go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats.